I try to keep the, you know, the soil tilled for insults coming my way. And it turns out throughout life, I've done a really good job. So a long time ago, more than 25 years ago, when I was a freshman in college, we had a required writing course. Every single college freshman could had to take it. There was no getting out of it. You, you know, you take the university writing course, deal with it. It was a like 10 person seminar. And because we had what, 1,200 freshmen, 5,000 undergraduates, they had to set up, you know, 100 or 120 sections of this course from hell. And so what happened was that they employed every single graduate student, near as I can tell, in the university and told each one of them that they had to teach a section of this, this terrible thing. So I got stuck. I'm sorry, this is very triggering for me. This is very triggering. Oh, you're going to get more triggered, Jared, because I'm about to invoke a philosopher. <laughs> For the first and only time. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So I get stuck in this university writing course, um, which that particular grad student, who I think was in English, but I'm not sure, maybe it was philosophy, called the structure of scientific revolution. English philosophy, whatever. They're probably the same thing. Uh, Could have been either. I was a freshman. What do I know? <laughs> that Was that supposed to be the triggering part? Because you did it. No, 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 no. I'm not there yet. All right. So I take the structure of scientific revolution. It was a, I think it was a, it was probably 9am, but it felt like 8am. It was some terrible morning class and it was awful and I didn't want to be there. And so the thing is that we read a bunch of stuff that I don't remember. And we had to write a bunch of essays that I don't remember. Uh, but what I do remember is that we were made to read uh, the Kant book that was about paradigm shifts which is in fact called the structure of scientific revolution. And the general gist of it is that nothing changes until everything changes all at once. So you sort of, you go along with a particular philosophy. Now he was talking about science and, you know, like the theory of the solid atom or something like that, which hangs in there until a better theory comes along and then everybody kind of resists it. And then they all jump all at once. And that's the paradigm shift. And what's upsetting to me is that this stupid class that may or may not have been philosophy um, has been the most relevant class that I took in my entire college career for what I ended up doing. And I did not like that book, but it has been very relevant. Also, I think I've caused Jared pain because I'm pretty sure I butchered the general thesis. That's okay. Kant's miserable to read. I, I feel like Sarah came to fight today. Like we, she is ready to take y'all on and she has done so in the first 20 minutes to both of you. <laughs> what have y'all done to Sarah? If, if you, if you guys, if you guys think this is abnormal, you don't know Sarah. I've been sitting in demos and being well-behaved all week. This is what happens. Easy, easy with the well-behaved part, Sarah. I've watched your reactions. I was very well-behaved. <laughs> I got a fantastic eye roll and groan out of Sarah with one of my jokes. It was great. It, it wasn't really a joke per se. It was fantastic. And it I mean, was, there were like words and then he paused. Yeah, that, that's, that's a joke. That's a, that's a joke in Jared's book. But what happened? They came back the next day and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've definitely, we've used that. It's, it was good. They used it. Made an impression. All right. <laughs> so anyway, um, Patrick, to your point, to, to yank this approximately back onto topic, um, you do tend to get a lot of pushback, right? You come in and say, hey, look at this cool new thing, which is obviously superior to how we've been doing things and obviously better. And what's going to happen is that absolutely everybody's going to say, no, thank you. And then you're going to push and push and push and push. 
And then all of a sudden you're going to look back and five years went by and everybody's doing the thing. Yeah. It's, um, that really is the, the history of, of like the content space is that it just takes longer than you expect. Um, and, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny because it, it does feel like a lot of the industry lives a little bit in the rear view mirror, right? It's like, you know, I, I feel like they're, how, how am I saying this? I'm going to, I'm not going to get this right. Um, you, but you have to. Yeah, I guess that's true. Right. But it does feel like the stuff that, that we're, that we're doing, it's like, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is, you know, we all, we already figured this out. Like it's, it, there's that kind of moment where it just kind of shifts. Um, it, you know, in addition to the horror that is paradigm shifts, um, and I may or may not have done a presentation at one point where I made a picture of dinosaurs and meteors and labeled one of them, not the meteor <laughs> as a tech writer. Um, <laughs> here comes your paradigm shift, adjust or else, right? Uh, actually, I think it was called adapt or die. Adapt or die. Huh, but, that's fair. Um, to be fair, when you, when you make a change like this, when you start talking about asking people or asking organizations to structurally change, huh, structurally, to change how they do business from a content point of view, how they produce their content, how they manage it, govern it, blah, 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 blah. What you're actually asking them to do is change from a known set of risks to an unknown set of risks. And the longer I've spent in this world, the more time I spend talking about risk mitigation and risk management, mm -hmm. because that's what matters to the organization. And so if they are a producing, you know, video games or producing something, some fun little app that does stuff, then they're going to be less risk averse, probably. If they're producing things that go to space, or machines that can potentially injure or kill people if they're used incorrectly, they can and should, and we hope are, more risk averse. So any sort of new system, whatever it may be, but you know, we're talking about content development, management, right. et cetera, any new system is going to be perceived as a set of risks that have to be evaluated and assessed mm -hmm. and mitigated. And there's always risk. They're just going to be different. Right. And so when somebody comes along and says, look at this obviously superior thing, I'm going to say, well, that does look nifty, but right. what are the risks that I'm missing? Right. I know what the risks are in my old system and it's creaky and annoying and inefficient and et cetera. But hey, I can produce bouncy PowerPoint. And also I know what the problems are and I've built an entire system to work around those problems. So you bring me something new. I don't know what the problems are. That That is one of the most insightful things I've ever heard as it relates to content, especially technical content. And it actually, it explains so much of how this industry, this industry operates. And the, you know, the, the funny thing about when you said that is it is a thing that I knew inherently, but I've never put those words to it. And it's, it, it, that's, it's profound. Like it, it, it fundamentally is, um, you look at how, things have evolved over time and the, the types of innovation that you've seen in, you know, knowledge, technical product reference content, um, you know, whatever flavor that actually comes into. And, and you realize that it really, it's evolved in such a way where 
people have tried to maximize efficiency while reducing risk. And a mm -hmm. lot of the reducing risk means slowly moving from one thing, which is inferior, like PDF, to something which is superior, but like not giving up the inferior thing until they're totally sure the new thing is going to work. And it's <clears throat> just crazy. Like if you, so we have a slightly different view on the market than Scriptorium does. Um, and I, th I think our view is um, probably more mixed. I think you guys probably get brought in to do the same things over and over again because you're, you know, you're a services firm and you do something really well. Somebody asks you to do that thing really well again, right? Um, whereas we're a platform technology and people just come and buy our stuff to do whatever they think it might do um, in a lot of cases. But even in our case, most of the publishing people were using our system to do was web until, or sorry, was PDF until about like, I want to say like three years ago. I mean, like an embarrassingly recent number of years. And the thing is web publishing from our system, even though it was a thing that was originally designed to do was almost non-existent until like 2016, like 2017, like in that range, like we might've had like 5% of our customer base really doing web publishing. Um, and of those groups, it was static HTML, almost primary, uh, like almost exclusively, which is wild, right? Like we've had websites for 25 years, but like they're still really focused on PDF and it's because of what you just said, but like knowing that and knowing that all of those things still exist, even for the things we're doing now, because now the new PDF is like the static HTML or, you know, maybe it's a slightly better help site, but there's so many better things that can be done. Like understanding the state of how you move between those things and how it's, it's, it's related to known or unknown risk. Like that's, that's huge. I think that's a really big thing that you can build into your business cases, into your plans, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, for us, it's sort of true that we do the same things. You know, a lot of people come and say, Hey, we need you to build a PDF or, Hey, we need you to build some HTML or, Hey, we, have all this learning content and we're not sure what to do with it. And can we move it into some sort of structured content or, you know, we need an enterprise content strategy of some sort, this departmental thing isn't cutting it. Uh, the interesting issue is that I, they're not the same, <laughs> like they're never the same. And this goes back to your point, Patrick, about whoever's in charge, right? Mm -hmm. The question is, it always comes down to the people and how those people operate and what the politics and the culture of that organization are. Um, and they're always different. So we sort of, I don't want to say we profile our customers. That sounds really bad. You know, we're not the FBI and they're not criminals. Uh, however, <laughs> Most of them. we, we do look at this, you know, we look at like who's in charge and how clear is it? Who's funding this thing? And yeah. again, what's the risk profile and, and there's risk profile for the content. So like, Oh, it's pharmaceuticals and it's FDA regulated. That's, that's a risk or that's a constraint really. Um, so you can look at the content type and get a decent idea of how risk averse the company is going to be. But then you also have to look at the company itself and the personalities because you're going to have within a given industry, you're going to have a very wide range of um, how aggressive they are, or how fast they want to move or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, so all that ridiculous stuff about early adopters and, you know, the hype curve and all these kinds of things are actually really, really helpful when we're trying to figure out what is the best solution for this company from a technical point of view, but also 
what is the most feasible solution to, for them, given their constraints of, you know, industry and risk and funding and size and scalability and any number of other things. So you can kind of, you know, if I get an email from somebody saying, hey, can you talk to us about whatever, I can take a pretty good swag at what they're going to be like based on just a you know 20 second Google of their website and who they are. But until we meet the people, we don't really know what it's going to be. Content rules, but it can be a lot. I'm sure you've noticed that a lot of these topics are connected, but our short podcast episodes barely scratch the surface. Have no fear, because in the description, we have links to videos, blog posts, and other information that help shine some light on some of the more intense, murky topics. In no time, you're going to have a little bit better idea about structured content and enterprise content strategy. Hope you enjoy.